uh, we are coming to the end of our series this month uh, entitled, How Do I Get What I Really Want? Or how to answer that question of, how do I get what I really want? And in some sense, you could rephrase it into, what is it that I really want? And so, uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to hopefully be able to wrap that up. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jeremy Allen, and uh, I am not John Miklas, our lead pastor. However, I am younger, uh, I am better looking, and I have more hair. Um, and uh, please make sure that gets on the recording. Um, so, uh, but uh, John is traveling this week. Uh, we'll be gone for a couple weeks uh, to Israel uh, with his wife, Christine. So he is currently probably traveling, and so uh, I'm grateful to be with you uh, this morning. We're going to wrap up our sermon series, but then next week, Roddy Handel, one of our associate pastors, is going to start a new series, uh, and I believe it's entitled uh, Blind Dates, Shipmates, and Popeye. Uh, no, Roddy, I don't know if you're in here. It's Blind Dates, Roommates, and Soulmates, or something like that. So um, my point being is I have no idea where Roddy is going to go, and I don't know Roddy all that well, but uh, from what I uh, understand, he's uh, somewhat unpredictable and unstable. So uh, it's uh, going to be interesting as to where he possibly will take that. Uh, so I'm, uh, for those of you who are Eagles fans or those of you who are Patriot haters, come to church, get your pregame Super Bowl talk uh, from Roddy, and he will lead you on your way uh, next week. So we look forward to that. However, this week, CCC has made the proverbial call to the bullpen. They've called in the closer a uh, strong, strapping, buck-right-handed flamethrower out of the village of Shenick, Pennsylvania, to come and deliver a quality one, two, three, ninth inning, and to bring this sermon series to a close so that you will be able to answer the question, how do I get what I really want? And I really hope that that is not your expectation this morning, because I do not know if I will be able to actually answer that question for you when you leave this morning. However, I do hope that when we leave here this morning, you may have a better idea to search your mind and your soul to get to that answer, and that maybe I'll even come up with a little bit of a process to help you get there. However, this morning, in all seriousness, with all of my various joking, I am very honored to be here and very humbled to be here because John and the other pastors of CCC take very, very, uh, a lot of, they, they care so deeply for everyone that is here and everyone that God has entrusted into their care, and to have that trust of them on me to come and for them to give me a platform to speak uh, is very humbling, and I am very grateful, and I look forward to the next 30 minutes or so of time with you. And I think that it would be important that we start there and that we humble ourselves before God and we just open in a word of prayer. So let's pray with me together. Father, we just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity for us to be together, and I just pray that you will <clears throat> guide my words and guide my, guide my thoughts. And Father, that I pray that you will be able to allow me to communicate clearly and openly with those that are here. Father, this is a challenging morning uh, for us to look at this topic of what that we really want, and in theory, Father, what may be blocking us from getting there. And I just pray that you will be with us this morning, that your presence will be felt, and that we will have a time where we can connect with you and connect with each other. I thank you for this opportunity to be with you. I thank you for this opportunity to just be in your house and to worship and glorify you, and I look forward to what you have to bring us this morning. And I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So this morning, again, we are going to look <clears throat> at this idea of what or how do I get what I really want or what do I really want. And 
<clears throat> Last week, I was encouraged and challenged uh, as I listened uh, to John interrogate Julie uh, with a very simple question where she said, hey, I just would really like to have a neat and orderly and organized home. And unfortunately, our John just kept saying, well, what is that going to get you? Well, what is that going to get you? And what is that going to get you? And she kept going down the process. And as I listened to that and I listened to the way that she processed through her question and her answer, she got to a very different point from which she started. She started with, hey, I just want to have this house and I just want to have this organization. And for moms and dads and, and others, I'm sure that you can sort of understand that. I know that when I come home from a long day of work and I walk in and I may have most likely just prayed, okay, God, help me to be uh, engaging in the lives of my, of, my, uh, of my kids and my wife, and I'm going to walk in, and you walk in the door, and chaos has ensued, right? And it's just homework is everywhere, music is playing, dinner is in some fashion of getting done, you know, and it's just a little bit crazy. And I'm sure at that moment, my wife really connects with the idea of, I'd just like to have a neat and orderly home. Uh, and so I think that we can all associate that. But as we dove down that with Julie, we realized that she ended up at a place where she really was craving peace and rest and a place for her to have that opportunity. And what she got to was something that she could get, something that she could do here on the surface, but where she ended up was a place that can only be given by God. That peace that passes all understanding, that peace that we need to rest our soul, and that can only be given by God to us. And so that is a little bit of the process that we want to walk through today. We want to kind of look a little bit more at those surface desires, you know, that what do we want, but that underneath of it and lurking just behind that are a whole bunch of other questions. And if we don't answer those questions, then we're not going to be able to answer the first question correctly. Because John's already done a really good job of explaining that we may think that we want something, and as we go down the path, we realize farther down the road that that's not really what I wanted. And now what do you do, right? So I want this morning to hopefully be a challenge for you, for you to be able to look at this question, but more importantly, <clears throat> my really goal this morning is that when you walk out of here this morning, you walk out of here with an idea that I think there's something blocking you from answering this question. I have wrestled with this question for three weeks or longer now as I thought about speaking this morning. And, um, you know, I don't know if I have the full answer yet, but I do believe that God is saying that I think there may be something that's blocking you from really being able to answer this question correctly and with your whole heart and with what you actually desire, not just on the surface what you want, but what is actually your desire and what you really want. And so this morning, I really hope that we will work through these things together and that when we walk out, we may be looking at two different areas of your life and there may be something that's blocking you from getting down to the answer that you want. Well, I have to open with an apology. I apologize that I did not look at the Bibles in the seats below you uh, or in the, underneath the seat in front of you uh, to give you the page of uh, Romans chapter 12. Um, but uh, hopefully you will pull it out there and um, <clears throat> be able to find Romans. For those of you, feel free to open up your phones or iPads and uh, follow along if you so desire. But today we're going to be in Romans, and we're going to look at a relatively familiar passage of Scripture, um, and we're going to just look at it and try to take it apart and see what is happening. And so while you're going there, just to give you a quick background, <clears throat> 
This is a letter from Paul to the Church of Romans, uh, and he has spent 11 chapters doing a really good job of explaining something about God. And what he has been explaining about God for approximately 11 chapters is he's been walking through how much God loves us, how much he cares for us, and how he's very compassionate and merciful toward us. Right? And I believe a couple weeks ago we talked about one of my favorite passages in Romans chapter 7. And it's only a favorite passage of mine because every time I hear it, it makes me cringe. And that is the Jeremy Allen paraphrase of, that that I don't want to do, I just keep doing that. However, that thing that I don't or that I do want to do, for some reason, I can't get to. So I keep doing the things that I don't want to do, but the things that I want to do, I can't get to. And I believe that's in Romans 7 somewhere. And I just believe that, you know, that's that struggle. But Paul's done a good job walking us through some of these chapters and books and many other things of saying that it's okay and God accepts us with where we are and that he has love and compassion for us. And for those of you who have possibly looked ahead or gotten it open on your phone, you know that the first word of verse 1 is going to really say, therefore. And so what it says is, you've missed a whole lot, right? And I just tried to catch you up in about a minute and a half, all right? But basically, there's a lot that happened before here. And I believe that this verse will give us a good idea about what that is. But Paul is saying, look, in light of everything I've just said in the first 11 chapters of Romans, I've got something for you. And I've got something for us to look at. So this morning, we're going to read through the verses, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to tear it apart. All right? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this morning, we want to unpack this a little bit. So let's go back. So the first thing here is, Paul says, is that I want to urge you to do something, and I want you to do it in the view of God's mercy, all right? Now, some of you, maybe students or uh, some youth that are in here, you know, there are times when you have to do something, and it's not necessarily in the view of your parents' mercy, right? It's in the complete opposite view of your parents' mercy, it's in the complete view of your parents' authority, okay? And that's not what Paul is saying here, though. He's not saying, you better do this or you're going to bed right now. Uh, it's 5.30. I don't care. Do it or go to bed, right? That would be in view of authoritative view. But Paul is saying here that I'm urging you to do something in view of God's mercy. And mercy really says it's to show compassion, forgiveness, caring for someone else who you have authority and control over, right? So God is giving us mercy because he is in the power of authority uh, over us, but yet in the midst of everything that we go through in life, his abundant mercy is for us. He has compassion for us. And John talked a lot about that last week, that God really doesn't truly desire a whole lot from us. He has a whole lot more to give because God is for us. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more. But that's where we are. That's the view. The view is, hey, God is a merciful God, loving, compassionate, and caring. And some of you may have a hard time accepting that because of the way that your past has been. But Paul wants to change that and say, look, in view of all this, I'm going to urge you to have a different response. 
And the response here is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. All right, so I am not a, um, a huge big fan of blood or anything. I'm not a medical person. And if you look back at what, about what sacrifice looks like uh, in the Old Testament and the rest of the Bible, it's a, bloody, it's a pretty bloody proposition, right? Everything under the sun was getting sacrificed because everybody kind of wanted to make atonement for their sins, and the way that they did that was the shedding of blood. And so it was a pretty nasty thing. So Paul here is giving the people at Rome who have, uh, are still living sort of under this context of sacrifice a pretty big word picture here of, I want you to, I want you to lay on the altar. I want you to get up there and be that sacrifice. Now, in today's world, that may not be as striking, but that's a pretty striking word reference or a picture as to what God is talking about here. However, he is talking about a living sacrifice. And if we think about the term sacrifice, parents, you know it well as many others, that it's your, you're giving up something for something else of more value or of a greater good or of something that's better. But you're going to sacrifice now for something or you're going to sacrifice something because of the goal or desire that something out there is better. Right, and we're going to unpack that a little bit more, but that's what Paul's talking about. He wants you to give yourself up as a living sacrifice. And he says that by doing so, you're going to have true and proper worship. So he's challenging you to say, look, by doing this, you will be worshiping God, okay? And you will be following him and you will be attesting, okay, that you uh, of your God and how you live, and by, live, uh, by having yourself as a living sacrifice, you are worshiping your God. So it only makes sense to do this. However, he wants to give us a little bit more. As part of this process, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. All right, so if we think about the word conform. So the word conform really talks about the ability for us to, it's the act or it's the process of becoming one with certain standards or certain behaviors, right? So we conform to something else, and so we become, we, we, we are conformed to whatever it is that is being put upon us, whatever those standards are. And if we think about our culture or the pattern of this world, it really speaks to us to say, we want you to follow these norms, right? And I think that we can be any one of a number of things between the music you listen to, between the... Um, uh, you know, places where you go to eat, where you spend your money, and all those other different kind of things that they want you to conform to a certain pattern, okay? And when I look at this, I look at that and say, they're just trying to distract you. That's really what the world's pattern is. It's a pattern of distraction. It's a pattern of experiences, and that I need to have this, and I need to go get this, and I need to do this, okay? And a power of upgrades and things that we just must go get. Because I won't ask for a raise of hands, but I'm sure that there's a few hundred people in the room that probably have bought into the great plan that these cell phone carriers have, where you pay a great little monthly rate, right, 20, 30 bucks, whatever it is. That way you don't have to pay the astronomical 1,200 bucks for a phone, right? But by doing so, what? Every two years you get a brand new phone. That way you can always be up on the new technology, right? You can get the bigger phone. I don't know, Samsung now has got one that like things fall off the edges, like it doesn't have an edge or whatever, I don't know, right? So whatever it is. But that's what the world says you got to have. And if you don't have this, okay, then, you know, there's potentially something wrong with you or you are outside of the bounds of where we want you to be. So this world wants you to be distracted by, I got to keep getting upgrades, I got to keep getting bigger, I got to keep getting better, I got to do these things. Or I got to go here, I got to go there. 
Okay? I will also not ask for a raise of hands uh, on who potentially is doing this, but I remember 13 years ago okay, when there was an individual who I was listening to sports talk radio, and he literally took out a second mortgage on his home in order to travel to the Super Bowl to see the Eagles play the Patriots 13 years ago. And I thought to myself, wow, that is some serious commitment. But I don't know about the decision and I will not ask if there's anybody in the room that did that. Your commitment is to be commended. But my point being is that he had bought into this idea that I've got to do this. Maybe it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity or whatever it is. But the world was saying, listen, you've got to have this. You've got to have an upgrade. You've got to have this experience. You don't know what's going to happen in the future, right? Young kids would know YOLO, right? You only live once, whatever that is, right? You just got to, this is what you've got to do. And the pattern of our world says that to us. But if we do that, are we going to get to the point where we still have what we really want? It's a good question. Paul then says, I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we're going to get into this a little bit later, but the idea of transformation is not the idea that I ultimately, that I ultimately change, that I become something different. Um, you know, in some senses, you could look at the idea of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. That's some pretty amazing transformation that happens. But if you take that picture and you think about what's on the inside of you, God wants to transform you. The idea of putting on a new character, a new nature, a new operating system, if you will, inside of you by which you then move on. And the way that he wants to do that is he wants to look at the way that we think and what's in our mind. And so if we have the ability to transform what we've thought to date and we renew it and we keep renewing it and we sort of scrap the old operating system, throw it away, and God says put on a new system into your brain, transform your mind, renew it, by doing that, you're still going to be who you are, but inside, you're going to be a different person. You're going to have a different nature and a different character, okay? And we're going to untackle that a little bit, but that's the idea here. The idea is that now, I'm not physically going to turn into something completely different, but God wants to renew our minds, our operating system, to get that down and so that we then transform our thinking. And then from that, from that character change, from that nature change, we will then be able to test and approve. And so what does that mean? That's saying, you are saying that you approve it, that this is good. What are we saying is good? We're saying that God's will, it's good and it's pleasing. And so if we are able to live our lives under being a sacrifice or under surrender, which we'll talk about, if we can live our lives, transform our mind, then we're going to test, we're going to live, a, we'll be out there in the world showing the world that we approve that God's will is good for us, that he wants something for us, okay? So we're going to unpack this a little bit. So that's, that's sort of where we are, and that's what Paul's talking about. But I believe that in order to get into this, we got to look and say, well, how do I understand, Jeremy? How do I understand what this really means to renew my mind? What does that look like? And ultimately, I thought the best way to look at this is to look at the life of Jesus, Okay? And he had some really strong words in Mark and Luke, uh, chapters 8 and 9, I believe. Um, he had some really strong words. And what they talked about was, if you want to be my disciple, then you need to deny yourself, 
pick up your cross and follow me. Right? So the idea here is that he wants you to deny yourself. Okay, what does that mean? I don't know yet. He wants you to take up your cross and follow him. Then he threw on, on a second verse, he throws in, hey, if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Okay, so these are Jesus' words. And I think he's giving us a little bit of a word picture here as to what the idea of transforming and renewing our mind looks like. So if we deny ourselves and we take up our cross daily, which is key, then we will hopefully be able to follow him. And so if we think about this concept of picking up the cross. I don't really think that I can literally pick up the cross or that what Jesus is carrying for me, okay? But at the same token, the idea here is that if I have my mind or if I am focused on how do I get closer to God who died on the cross for me, if I'm working and focusing on getting closer to him, the closer and closer that I get to that process, guess what? I'm not going to be conforming to the pattern of this world. I'm going to be conforming myself to the pattern of his world and what he wants because I'm going to be slowly distancing myself from those distractions because I'm going to say, look, I don't know what's out there. I want to deny myself. I don't want to give in to potentially what the world is selling me because I don't necessarily trust it. We're going to talk about trust in a little bit, but I don't want to take up what that world is just telling me because it may not get me to answer the question of what do I really want. So I'm going to deny that for a second. I'm going to put my eyes on Jesus, take up my cross, walk with him, and by doing so, I'm going to have potentially the ability to have his concepts, his thoughts, his beliefs, his values become closer to my, I'm going to have them come into be my values. And from there, we can then begin to separate the idea of surface desires and those things that I want or those things that distract you and you think you want them versus what is down below what I really want. What is my deep desire for this process or this goal or this outcome of situation that I am in? What is that deep desire that I have from God to actually get to? Because that may help us answer the question of what do I really want? Unfortunately, I think there are two things that block us from being able to do this process. I think there are two things that withstand in our way that we do not want to deny ourselves or take up our cross. And that, that then those, those two things block us from being able to fulfill what Paul wants, which is to be a living sacrifice. And so you say, okay, what is it? What is blocking us? What is difficult about transformation and renewal? Why is that hard? Because I think we can all kind of say, yeah, I, conceptually I get that. Change is difficult, right? I know in the men's groups for many years we've talked about being in a rut, right? And we just kind of are in a rut. And what do we potentially have to do to get the bad things that are in our rut out and dig ourselves into a different way, right? But that's hard work. That is difficult work to dig that extra path or to get out of the rut that your life is already in. So why is transformation and renewal difficult? I offer you two possible explanations. One, we have been told by the evil one and others for many, many years lies about ourselves, And we believe those lies. And then when we believe those lies, if by believing them, they will not allow us to answer the question of what I really want accurately because we don't have accurate information. My second reason, and it's not necessarily a, a, a cultural statement, however, I do believe that this mentality may possibly stick 
here in Lancaster County uh, and, uh, and in many other parts of the world, but, or country. But the idea here is that we get stuck on the how. You get stuck on the how. What do I mean? Very briefly what I mean is that we really want to know how this transformation process is going to go. And if I don't know how this process is going to go, step seven, then God, I don't know if I'm going to do steps one through six. So I need to know the how, then I can tell you whether I like it or not, and then I'll move forward in this process. But for some of us, if we don't have the answer, and I'm going to argue to say God may not give you the answer or the how, we get stuck. We get stuck because we can't get past not knowing the how. All right. Let's break these down a little bit more. So in part one here, we talk about lies. And I believe that there are lives in our life that impact our surface desires, and we can't get past them to our deep desires, all right? And to be perfectly honest with you, we've now entered the unscripted portion of the sermon. And for those of you who know me a little bit, that's not necessarily terribly outside of my comfort zone. However, in looking at lies and looking at what this looks like, I decided, and I had God say, I needed to just be real with you for a little bit. And I'm not 100% sure where we're going to go. All right? But what I want to say is, I know that in my life, and I have come through a process over the last period, uh, several months of my life, to come to know that at least one lie that I believe about myself is that I am inadequate, that I am not enough, that I'm... not worthy or valuable. I'm just, I'm inadequate, okay? And as part of that, I have built up some protective measures in my life that have kept God at a distance and others at a distance. And I won't let them penetrate because I believe that I'm inadequate. And if you actually knew me, you'd find that out. And I can't have you believe that. So what do I mean by that? For some of you, you may know a guy named Mark Grunger. Mark Grunger runs uh, an organization called How to Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. And inside of that, he has a process by which you answer some questions, and he puts people in certain flags. And they're sort of countries, okay? And they're sort of different ways for uh, personality traits or, or different traits about you and your personality. And for those of you who have gone through that, uh, you'll know that one of those countries is called fun country. Well, I live in fun country, all right? And in living in fun country, I'm okay being the center of attention. I am okay to be in the spotlight. I feel okay to have sort of that center of everything sort of swirling around me. That's just fine. That's not going to make me cringe. I'm not going to die. I will probably sweat a little bit, which I most likely am doing now. But you know what? That's okay. Everybody sweats. I'm okay with that. However, living in fun country gives me an interesting perspective in that I feel like I've got to entertain you and I've got to keep you laughing and I have to make sure that you have a good time. And that includes this morning. I need you to, I feel like I must entertain you. I need you to have a good time. I want to connect with you. And if you don't, then you're not going to have a good view of me. And if you don't have a good view of me, then you're not going to approve me. And in some senses, you're going to view that I am inadequate and that I have failed you in my process and in my communication this morning. And so because I don't want that to happen, 
I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that everybody has a good time and to make sure that you're okay. And by my jokes and my speech and my communication, I can keep you here. And everybody has a good time and everybody goes home and everything is great. But the reality is that I'm still fighting this lie that I don't feel inadequate or that I feel inadequate. And if you were to break through that, if you were to break through my jokes and my fun and my, my, um, this measure that I put up against me, and you saw the real me, you may not like what you see. And so in some senses, we do that to God. And we believe that God can't see through these things that we've put in our place and in our lives. And that somehow we've kept God away from us. That we've put these practices in our lives and we've said, God, you come right here. And that's as far as you come. Because if you break through that, I don't know what that will look like. But I challenge you to say, we need to look at those lies. And for me, it's a little bit of inadequacy. For me, it's a little bit of value and worth. Because if I actually embrace the concept that I am enough, if I embrace the concept that I am enough, that I am adequate, that I am okay, that God loves me just for me, in all of my round and sharp edges, in all of my things, if I truly accepted that, then I would be taking my mind and putting something new on it. And I would, be, I would be deleting those files of inadequacy and having to joke and having to be fun. And I would be being real and authentic. And I would be with people and engagement. Oh, that's kind of scary too. But at the same time, it would change the way I view people. It would change the way I view myself. And one of our missions at CCC is to love God deeply so that we can love others fully. Or reverse of that. May have gotten that wrong, but sorry, John. We want to love God fully so that we can love others deeply. And so if I accept God's love for me and that I am adequate in the way that he made me, if I say, God, you didn't make a mistake, you've made me who I am, then that changes the way I think about myself which then changes the way that I potentially think about you. And if I change the way that I think about you, it changes the way that I interact with you. And if it changes the way that I interact with you, I may have an opportunity to actually impact your life because I've let God impact mine. I have erased those things that are on my mind that the world put there. You're inadequate. You've got to perform. And if you don't perform, they won't like you. And if they don't like you, then who are you really? Right? So that's a lie that I have believed about myself. I don't know what your lie is. I don't know what those things have been spoken to you. And they could have come from many different sources. And trust me, that's not the only one, okay? I don't necessarily have it all figured out, but I do know that I have to figure out a way to get past the idea that I've got to keep God at a certain distance or others at a certain distance in order to transform my mind. Secondly, we talked about getting stuck in the how. And in this process, we really talk about it's a little bit of a trust issue. I know, Jeremy, don't go there. This isn't going to be fun. If we get stuck in the how, and if we say, God, 
listen, unless you tell me what step 17 is, I'm not going anywhere, then what we're saying is we don't trust that God's will is good and pleasing and perfect for us. We're saying to God that I don't trust that your will is actually good for me and that you're not actually for me. But wait a minute. Paul's saying that God is for us, and in, we're saying he's for us because of the light, in light of his mercy on us, and that he wants good for us as his children. But if I get stuck on the how, if I don't trust him with the how, if I don't trust him with what does that look like to change my mind, to transform my mind, to renew my mind every day, then I'm not going to engage with God. And if I don't engage with God, then I'm just where I am. I'm stuck. And if I'm stuck, then you're going to answer the question of what do you really want just right where you are. You're just going to want, potentially, what is right in front of you, on the surface, and not actually what your true deep desire is. All right? We get stuck in the how. And so this lack of trust leads us to hold on to the things tightly instead of releasing them to God. And this is where surrender comes in. We don't trust God, and this lack of trust just holds us, it keeps us to where we just hold on things, and we will not release them. And I don't know what you're holding on to today, but I guarantee you that someone somewhere in these seats is holding on to something, because I know that I still am. And I haven't fully released it to God. Because the process of embarking on the opportunity to tell God that he can help change my mind is really scary. So for those of you who have known me for a little while, you have known that I have had various periods of my life where I have won and succeeded in the weight battle. Okay? As you can tell right now, I have lost that battle. However, there are periods of my life where I have won that battle. And I have gone up and down, up and down, up and down. And if I think about my struggle with that, I can tell you that oftentimes I have not ever really fully, transformatively turned that process over to God. And you would say, well, that seems like a really odd thing to possibly turn over to God. I would agree. I haven't done it yet. However, as I've thought about this, my periods of success have been just because I was going to do it. Because it was the right thing and I had to do it. And so I was just going to do it. So I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to eat that and I'm not going to go here and I'm going to go for a run and I'm going to do these things. And guess what? I'm good for a month. I'm good for two months. I've been good for a year. But everybody goes on vacation, right? And you can't diet on vacation. So, you know, vacation's a week, ah, you come home, and vacation turns into two weeks, and two weeks turns into four weeks, and then at the four-week mark, you're like, man, I am officially 100% off the bandwagon, right? And you don't know how to get back. But you've got this will that you're saying, no, I've got to accomplish this, but you haven't really released it, and so you're trying to do it off of your own power. And unfortunately, when you try to do something off of your own power, you will end to a point where you get stuck and you can't do it anymore. You're going to get tired, you're going to make a mistake because your will's not strong enough. 
or you're going to make a mistake, and then you're going to get frustrated with yourself. And if you get frustrated with yourself, then I don't know what's going to happen to you, but you're just going to go down this path, and you're going to lose all the ground that you just gained. Whatever that was, you lost it. And not just that, you realize that you didn't just lose the ground you gained, you're farther behind than when you first started. All because I'm just going to do it, and I don't need God to help me. I'm going to fix this relationship. I'm going to fix this at work. I'm going to fix this about myself. Because I know how. And I'm okay with me knowing how. But I'm not trusting God to help me through that process. And so at some point in time, you come to the end of yourself. And you really haven't accomplished what you set out to accomplish because you just ran out of steam. And you didn't lean on anybody else or anything else to help you keep going in the midst of whatever you were trying to struggle and get through. I don't know exactly what that potentially may be for you, you know, but I do know that this process of renewing and transforming our mind has the ability to give me long-term sustainable success, not just short-term behavioral change. Because if all I want is short-term behavioral change, then I can will that. I can do that for a certain period of time. But what I can't do on my own, apart from God, is I can't change my mind. I can't transform the way I think without his help. I can't help, I can't reprogram it. I need him. But if I can reprogram that, then whether it's weight, whether it's anger, whether it's whatever it may be, I can accomplish long-term lasting change. And what would that change bring you? I know that when I think about what it could bring me, the hope of what it can bring moves my soul to want to engage. And I hope it does the same for you. But I will also tell you, I don't know the how, but I want to let go of that. I don't need to know. I don't want to get stuck in the how. So I challenge you this morning to look at and say, what lies am I believing? What have I been told? What is there that's blocking me from God and I'm keeping them and others at a distance? And even if I happen to know that, if I don't know the way to change anything, but I'm not willing to surrender and to say, okay, God, I give this up to you, then we're going to get stuck and we're going to keep our mind the same. And at some point, you're going to come to the end of yourself. And you're going to realize you didn't get what you really wanted. Whether it's honor, respect, integrity, whatever it is that you're looking for, that's that deep desire that God has put inside of you, you're not going to get it you're still going to be focused on the distractions and the new phone and the new experience. But that's not going to give you what you really want. And so this morning I challenge you to say, 
What is blocking me from surrendering and being a living sacrifice and surrendering to God's will in my life? To allow God to transform my mind. To allow God to transform that, to change my character from the inside so that I can then go out and tell everybody that I run into with my life and with my actions, I'm proving that God's will is perfect and pleasing. And I'm showing them that God is for me, not against me. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this challenge. I thank you for the fact that you love and you care for us with where we are right now. In all of our brokenness and in all of our struggle and in all of our pain, you are still there. And even though we may not want to let you in, you're still there. And you're still knocking at the door and you want to come in. Father, I thank you that you never, ever, ever give up. Thank you that you love and care for us. Father, I pray for everyone here. I pray that you will begin to work in their minds and allow them to process through what are those lies that I have believed for a long time about myself? What are those lies that are blocking me from getting to you? What are those areas of my life that I have believed something that is not true? That I'm inadequate, that I don't measure up, that I have no value, that I have no worth, that I do not let your words of love, acceptance, reign over top of them. Father, allow us not to get stuck in the how. Your ways are beyond our ways. Help us to trust you with the process of transforming our mind. Father, because if we are able to transform our mind, we will transform our lives. And if we can transform our lives, we can impact the world. Thank you for loving us and caring for us. And thank you, most importantly, for sending your son to be the ultimate sacrifice for my sins. For when he died on the cross, he bore that shame. And he was obedient to your will. The ultimate surrender. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your love. And it's in